0: Uh, my name is John. I'm the pastor here, and I got to tell you, I missed you last week. All right, Those of you that weren't here, you may not know, I was out last week unexpectedly. Yep, got the COVID. Second time, second round for me. All right, second time, a lot better than the first time, I'll tell you that. But I still had to isolate and stay away and protect everybody and all that. So uh, it turned out I couldn't be here last week. So I was at home watching on the stream like some of you are right now, as a matter of fact, and, uh, and watching everything and, of course, analyzing, you know, but uh, also enjoying. So uh, I missed you. It was good to have a week off, but, uh, of course, missed you. And it's good to be back with you again this week. Um, we are talking about the good news, the gospel. Um, but listen, last week, here's a little side benefit uh, to being sick and having to stay home. Um, I, for most of you already know this, but I am a huge football fan. It's my favorite sport in the entire world, NFL particularly. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I talk about it a lot. I probably talk about it too much. All right? I love football. And last week, there was a game in London. So the football actually started at 9.30 last week. And so I woke up, and I turned on the game from 9.30 to 10, I was watching football. And then from 10 to 11.15, I was with the service. And then from 11.15, for the rest of the day, it was just football the rest of the day. And uh, so I was thinking, I'm I'm watching this game in London. I don't know why this thought crossed my mind, but uh, they're in... Uh, obviously in London they're playing in Wembley Stadium and as the fans were coming in this is where it struck me as the fans were coming into the game they were showing them kind of walking down the tunnel or the walkway or whatever before the game and fans were coming in and obviously two teams were playing it was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the does anybody remember who it was it didn't matter yeah (laughs) COVID fog (laughs) it was the Jaguars and someone else um But anyway, but as the fans were walking in, the fans, a lot of the fans were wearing jerseys, but they weren't for the two teams that were playing. (laughs) It was just for whatever team they were a fan of living in London, and they got to go to an NFL game, and so they went. So there were jerseys for like every team in the league walking in. But also I realized that because football is not such a big deal in London, well, a different kind of football is a big deal in London, they're used to soccer, right? I started thinking, man, some of these people are going to an NFL game for the first time, or maybe really even experiencing American football for the first time. And so I tried to put on the, my glasses, like my lens, to try and watch the game as if I didn't know anything about football, and I was watching it, being exposed to it for the first time. And I don't know why I did that, but it came over to me to do that. And so, so I was watching the game, and it dawned on me, I was like, this is not that good, Actu- actually. <laughs> like, it's it's, it's kind of slow-paced, you know? You get, you get like seven seconds of, of play and then a lot of waiting. Like, there are a lot, I don't know who, you know, if they don't know who any of the players or the teams are. You got guys, they get tackled pretty, like the play ends pretty quickly, and then there's a lot of flags and penalties and things, and the game is just really choppy, And kind of slow. And I was like, for somebody who doesn't really understand football, I see why they think this is kind of lame, right? And I would get why someone would watch this and be like, you know, I'd rather watch soccer. Like there's action all the time in soccer. There's a game flow. There's always something happening. There aren't many stoppages in the game. And so you kind of have action as, as boring as I think that is. You do have action all of the time during the game. And I thought, I get, I get. But then I was like, So I'm viewing it that way, and then I'm thinking, but why do I love football so much then (laughs) if it's not the actual game itself? And I realize it's because I have, over the course of my life, from like the day I was born, immersed myself in football. It was growing up in western New York. The Bills were the only, besides the Sabres playing hockey, the Bills were like the only professional sports team we had anywhere near us. So everybody was a Bills fan. Everybody watched the games. Everybody talked about the games. So I grew up in this this world of football, and I know all the rules. I understand all the penalties. I I understand the strategy and why plays are being drawn up. That's the best part of football to me is the strategy behind the plays. The strategies that are being drawn up by the offense and the defense and the shifts that are happening and why the quarterback checks down to this play because this defense is being presented. I understand. I know all of the teams, I know all of the players, and so when the quarterback gets the ball, I know so much about that guy. I know what he, where he went to college. I know what his NFL career has been like. I know what his chemistry with the other players on the field are like. I know their stories. I know what he's dealing with. I know what he's trying to overcome. i when when certain people score, you're excited for them or you're not or whatever. It's because the reason I love football. It's because I have immersed myself so deeply in football to understand it and love it and to to feel like I'm a part of it. It's more than something that I just turn on, on on Sunday afternoon and watch people play a game, turn it off and move on. I am like in that world while I'm watching a football game. And I would imagine that everybody in this room has something in your life that's like that. It may not be football, but it might be something else. It might be music where you know the artists and you know the songs and why the songs were written. And so you just dive into that or... Or it might be something like um, a hobby that you have, like crafting, and you understand all the different materials and how to put them together, and and you watch YouTubers or whatever else do their crafting, and so you're just all in that world immersed in it, and so it's so meaningful to you. it could, be a lot of, it could be something like working on cars. You, you know all the cars, you know all the models, you know the parts, you know the, the, the add-ons and the accessories, and so that's your world, and, and that's what you dive into. And because you immerse yourself in whatever that is, it really has a transformative effect on you, on, on the way you live, the way you spend money, the way you spend your time, the, way, the decisions that you make, all of it, because you've chosen to make that a focal point of your life. Well, I'm thinking about all that with football and and all that. And I realize that what we're talking about in this series is the same way. That the gospel is the same and to an even greater extent. Because for some people, they they hear what the gospel is, the good news, that we're sinners, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin, that he rose again on the third day. And if you believe in Jesus, then you can be saved. And they hear that and they're like, that's awesome. And I accept that. But that's all it ever is. It's like watching a game. And, and you know that it's there, and it's there for you, and it exists. But there is a difference that happens. There's a difference that happens in your life, and I've seen the difference in my life, when I immerse myself in the gospel instead of just watching it or knowing that it's there. When I, when I dig in to understand it on a deeper and deeper level and then look at how to take my entire life and center it around the truths of the gospel? How does the gospel transform me? How does it make difference in the decisions I make about how I spend money? How does it, how does the gospel change the way that I relate to my wife? How does the gospel change the way that I look at my community and the people around me? How does it change the way that I choose to schedule my days and spend my time? To totally immerse yourself in it. Because the gospel, not only is the good news that we can be justified before God or made right before God, but the knowledge of God and what he's done for us and what he's going to do in us is something that can absolutely revolutionize and transform our entire life. Everything about it. But in order to do that, we have to immerse ourselves in the gospel and think about it and meditate on it and study it and understand it as well as we can so that it can transform all that stuff. That's up to us. We got to make that choice. And so that's what we're trying to do in the series. Now, the first part of Romans, Paul has, has done an excellent, phenomenal, masterful job of explaining to us what the gospel is that we are justified in front of God, we are made right in front of God. By faith in Jesus, by believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross, we trust in him and we're justified before God. It's not works. It's not anything like that. Jeremy did such an awesome job with the message last week. If you didn't hear the message last week, make sure you check it out. (laughs) (laughs) If he does say so himself. He talked about Abraham and David and how even before Jesus, they were justified by faith, not by their works, not by following the law, not by keeping the rules. It's always been justification by faith. And so it's justification by faith for us now. But in Romans chapter five, which is where we're going to pick up today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go ahead to Romans chapter five. In Romans chapter five, I consider Romans five like a hinge chapter in Romans. Paul is turning a corner. Okay, he spent the first part of the letter talking about justification in front of God, being made right in front of God. Now he's going to turn the corner and start talking about what that means for us today, how that changes us. And he's going to spend essentially the rest of the letter talking about that, how the gospel transforms us and changes us. Now that we are justified by faith. And that's important because as we're going to read some things, it's important to understand that he's changed gears. He's not still talking about how to be justified in front of God. He already talked about that. He's talking about now that we're justified, now what? That's what is going to happen in the rest of Romans. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, This was really driven home to me, um, uh, the importance of this. A couple of weeks ago, I was at um, Coco Java writing the message, which is one of my favorite places to hang out and there a lot. And so I'm at Coco Java because I like being around and having people and stuff going on while I'm thinking and writing. I'm actually often will just look at people and think like, how would they respond to this? What would they think about this? You know? And so, so I'm there, and behind me, um, in like the comfy chairs, there were a couple of ladies that had gotten together for a Bible study, and it became I couldn't. I'm sorry. I eavesdrop, okay? So I, could, I couldn't help it. I'm sitting there and writing. I can't help but hear what's going on around me. And so I hear them behind me, and they're having a Bible study. And I, don't, I, don't, I didn't really pick up exactly where they were. I was picking up bits and pieces of it. But this is, this is what struck me about it. They were there for a while, two, two ladies doing a Bible study. What struck me is that when I did sort of drop into the conversation, what I was hearing was... <laughs> what I was hearing was a lot of you... And them and they there was a lot of conversation about the concepts and how it applied to other people or the issues and how other people have those issues but and I wasn't hearing their entire conversation so I can't speak to what was actually said but from what I heard I didn't hear any I or me it's easy to read through stuff like this like Romans and think about it on an intellectual level or a theological level But not to take that next step of taking it and actually applying it to me. And I hope that's what you've been doing in the series. We've been trying to really focus on doing that. As we've been talking about how people are not justified by the law or being good or following the religious rules. We're talking uh, about how everybody has sinned. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. I hope that what we've been doing as we've been going through this is not just thinking about everyone else. But thinking about us. I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God. I cannot earn my way to him. I cannot be good enough. And so what does that mean now for me? Well, how do I think differently? What do I do differently? How do I process all of this? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to really encourage you to do that, uh, not only as we're talking today and you're reflecting and thinking about it, but also as you gather with your group this week and are processing and talking about what we're going to discuss today. And uh, a yes, I am going to draw a little bit, okay, so, which I love to do. But we're going to get to that, all right? Hang tight. So we're going to go into uh, Romans chapter 5, and um, we're just going to break it down into little pieces, work our way through it, talk through it, explain everything, just so we all understand um, what's going on and what what Paul is saying. All right, starting at the very beginning of the chapter, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's how you know he's turning a corner here, having been justified by faith, okay, now what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So when I'm reading this, I see three pieces here that he's pointing out. Since we've been justified, here's what we need to know or here's what we need to think about, what we need to meditate on, what we need to focus on. First, he said, because we've been justified um, by faith, we have peace with God. This is so important for a believer to understand. To understand, to remember, and to rest in. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, you have peace with God. At one time, you were God's enemy. At one time, you were an enemy to God. But because you accepted Jesus Christ... You have peace with God. He is no longer your enemy. He is not against you. He is not working against you. Okay? He is not he is not uh, judging you for your sin. He's not he's not starting a new list. All right? You have peace with God, and not only do you need to know that, and I need to know that, but we need to remember it and rest in it, because thoughts will overtake us where we start to think that God is against us, where we think that we're becoming an enemy, or we become an enemy of God again. You have not. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you've been justified before him, you have peace with God. Remember that, okay? First thing. Then he says, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, So you have access to God's grace. That's incredible. God's favor, God's blessing. You have access to that every single day. You have access to it and you can stand in it. I love that terminology that he uses. In which we stand. We stand in this grace. We live in this grace. We walk in this grace. We immerse ourselves in this grace. And you and I need that because we continue to struggle even though we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and have been justified before him and we have peace with him. I don't know about you. I do know about you. Uh, I keep sinning. I don't want to. I'm trying not to. But I still do because I'm a human and I'm fighting this battle with sin. And so I need to stand in and walk in his grace every single day and know that it's there for me. So I never start to think that I've lost my peace with him. Okay? Because it's there. So we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And he says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When he says this, I'm thinking, looking forward, looking forward. I rejoice because I have hope in the glory of God, the glory that is coming, the glory that will be fulfilled, that will be completed, whether that's me going to be with him in heaven and experiencing his full glory there, even though I only experience a peace here to full experience his full glory there, a joy, that's where my hope is. Or whether Jesus comes back before that happens, and I hope that's the case. Jesus comes back before that happens, and I get to experience his glory here and see that. His glory that's coming. That's where my joy and my hope comes from. And all three of these things are essential for us. In order to experience and walk in the good news, having been justified by faith. And that has a real tangible impact on our life. And so let's keep going. In verse 3. And not only that, Paul says this a bunch of times, by the way, in the passage that we're going to read. Not only that, that is, that's just the start of it. You're not even going to believe this. This is kind of the, the demeanor I pick up from Paul here. He's taking all of that. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth that we've been talking about now for several chapters. Now that that's the truth, guess what? <laughs> guess what? We have peace with God. We stand and walk in his grace, and we have hope of his glory. But not only that. Not only that, he says, but we also glory in tribulations of trials and difficulties and, and all of that. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us and he says not only that listen to we glory in our tribulations can you believe how could we even do that <laughs> it does, it's the it's nonsensical to do that why, why would we do that he said because we know it does something in us in the gospel we know that even the most difficult things we go through in our life do something in us if if We're experiencing the love of God poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we have to engage with him and say, I'm going through the hardest thing in my life. The biggest challenge that's in front of me. What do you want to do in me during this time? Rather Rather than looking at it and saying, God, what are you doing to me in this time? God, what do you want to do in me in this time? And he says three things happen. He says that the tribulation produces perseverance. The word that he uses here means endurance or resolve strength, uh, it solidifies us in our mind, creates perseverance, determination, endurance, resolve. He said then that, that perseverance creates character. And this is kind of a weird, to me, Character is a weird translation of it. It gets the essence, but I, I don't know if we have a good English word to sum up in one word what Paul said in Greek in one word, Because the word that he used for them meant something that had been tested, something that had been proven, something that had uh, had gone through the fire and come out the other side. Okay, so so when he says perseverance, it's like determination. It's 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 that that fortitude and that strength. And then character is what's produced in us when we're walking through the thing with that endurance. And it creates even more strength and more confidence as we're walking through it and we're resolved and we're doing what he wants us to do. And now it's proven and more and more sure in our life. It's like we've seen it happen over and over and over again. And when you have the perseverance that turns into character, then what it results in in our life is hope. Focus on confidence in what God's going to do, trust in what he's going to do with our eyes forward on the future results and what's going to happen as we walk through this thing with perseverance, developing character. It gives us hope. All right. And he says, now that hope does not disappoint because God's love is poured out on us through the Holy Spirit as we walk through these tribulations. All right. right, He goes on in verse six. For when we were still without strength in due time, which means basically in due time just means when the time was right, Okay, when the time was right, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the foundation on which all this is built for us to understand. He's he's reiterating what he's already said, that, that, that we need to remember and focus on the fact that Christ died for us even though we didn't deserve it, that nobody ever has. And so we are justified by faith, not by our works, that Christ died for us even when we were sinners. Christ died for us, specifically, you think about this from a timeline perspective, Jesus Christ died for me before I was ever even born or conceived, you know. But he he died for me before I ever made my first mistake. He died for me before I ever even realized he existed. He died for me before I ever turned to him or ever asked forgiveness of anything, before I ever submitted to him in any way. Yet he still died for me. And so that's something that we always have to remember. And by the way, if you've never heard that before, you need to know that. You need to know that there is no way that you can be good enough to earn your spot with God. You can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. Nobody can do it. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way, the only way we can be made right in God's eyes is for Jesus Christ to pay the penalty of our sin for us. And we have to trust him for that. And he died for you before today. <laughs> he died for you. He died for you before you ever returned to him. And he's just waiting for you. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, taken your faith out of yourself and put it in Jesus for salvation, today's the day to do that. Amen. Okay? Do it today. Trust him for salvation today. And then, and then look at how the gospel is going to transform you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again on the third day. Put your faith in him for salvation, and he will justify you before God. Do something you can't do for yourself. That is the love of God demonstrated for you. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for you because you are his friend. And so accept him. All right, verse nine. Much more than, I love this here, Paul again. There's more, okay? (laughs) Much more than, not just that, not just that he died. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, this this is such an incredible passage of scripture that unfortunately, I think, is massively misunderstood (laughs) Now, and the reason I say that is because Paul has been, he has talked about justification, right? This idea of being saved from wrath. is, Is he just talking about salvation or is he talking about eternal salvation? Is he talking about being justified? What's he talking about? He says, no, no, no. These are two different things. These are two different things. And he says, much more having been justified by his death, we shall be saved from wrath by his life. What's he talking about? It's weird because... This is the first. Paul, just for, for us in our form, multiple chapters, has talked about justification, how to be made right in front of God. But this is the first time that he uses the word saved in Greek. It's the word sozo. It's the first time he uses Why didn't he use that word when he was talking about being justified before God? When we hear the word saved, we think of justification. We think of being made right in front of the, that. I got saved today. And it's when I put my faith in Jesus Christ for for salvation and he saved me. That's what we think of because that's how we use that word. But we are, that's only because we are conditioned by our Christian culture to think that that's what that word means. Okay. We use the word saved to talk about justification. Paul does not necessarily do that. The word saved is a general word. I mean, we use the word save all the time, when not talking about faith or about Jesus. We say, you know, well, they have, the fireman saved the person from the burning building, right? That was a, it's a deliverance. It's a rescue. And so if we see the word saved here in verses 9 and 10, and we automatically think justification, it's only our cultural understanding of that word, our current Christian culture that makes us think that. It's not what Paul actually meant. He wasn't when Paul uses the word save here. He's not talking about justification being saved from wrath. He's talking about being rescued from wrath and the penalty of sin now. That that since you and I have been justified now God wants to save us from this. He wants to save us from the world. He wants to save us from the penalty of sin that is all around us. He wants to save us from the consequences of our own ongoing sin, the the, the consequences of sin of people around us, the, the death and sickness and everything that's going on around us. He wants to begin a process now that we're justified before him of saving us from all of that. As much as possible by transforming us and changing us and molding us and growing us and challenging us and putting us together and having us encourage each other and and challenge each other and hold each other accountable so we can be saved from all this garbage that we have to live in until we see his full glory. So with that in mind, much more having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is good news. This is good news, not just for all of eternity. This is good news for two o'clock this afternoon that God wants to save us and deliver us and set us free as much as possible right now to transform us this is awesome and this is a different different level of appreciating and understanding and following the gospel to be saved from all that and not only that he goes on verse 11 (laughs) take it to another level not only that but we also rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So we just rejoice in him because he has given his life for us, because he is saving us from this world. We rejoice, put our joy and hope in him. It's unbelievable. Um, I got to tell you, though, I was as I was uh, preparing for the message, I I was was struggling a little bit because we had this section of 11 verses we're going to work through. And I'm always looking for the like a common theme, one sort of strong thing that we can draw out of the text, one thing that connects everything together. And I was struggling a little bit with this passage, doing that, because it felt like multiple ideas, sort of. It felt, at times, felt a little bit like stream of consciousness, <laughs> writing from Paul. And some of those phrases that are in there, if you're not careful, you, you read them or if you move through them too quickly, they can feel a little bit like Christian platitudes. Or um, Jess and I were talking... Just and I were talking a couple of days ago. She called it gobbledygook. <laughs> she said she said sometimes, and I get I totally get this because I feel the same way. She said sometimes I'm reading in scripture and I go through a passage like that, which is like word after word after word, idea after idea after, and it all just sort of becomes gobbledygook. Like I don't know how to how to filter through it or what it actually means or, or how to think about it, you know, in an organized way. And she said, but then we stop and we teach our way through it, and that really helps. But I get it because I was reading through it and I was like, it's. And I don't want to minimize it in any way, but it was like, what is the thing here? And so I spent a lot of time after I did all the research and sort of had all the notes and thoughts and everything written down. I spent a bunch of time just reading over the passage over and over and over again. Just reading over it, reading over it, reading over it and asking, asking the spirit to show me something that I hadn't seen. Just show me something I haven't seen. Show me what's here. Show me what's here um, so that I can not only have something for me to understand this more deeply, but to share with you that, that you might understand it more deeply too. And so I was praying over it and praying over it and something started to sort of materialize, not something new, but just seeing something that was already there. And I realized that in the first segment of this verses one and two, there were three ideas. And then in the second piece of it, verses three through five, there were three ideas and in the last section of it, verses 6 through 11, there were three ideas. And so I just started writing them down, something a little like this. And, and I want to share this with you because it, it helped me better understand what Paul is saying. And maybe it'll help you understand it as well. All right. So I've got to get the cap off my pen. Got it. Okay. <laughs> sometimes you just got a shortcut, you know? All right, so, so here's what he says, and I'm just gonna write it up here, and then I think, I think we'll see what's going on. Some I mean, of you might see it as I'm doing it. All right, so the verses one and two, he says, um, I'm gonna have to try to keep the mic close to me. Christ's death creates peace. With God, right? And it's going to take me a second to write. I'm sorry, I'm slow. All right. And then he says, now because of that, we have access to God's grace. And he says, Christ's death creates peace. We have access to God's grace in which we now stand. And because of that, we rejoice in the hope of glory, right? Three ideas, obviously they make sense. They flow one to the other. And then in the next section, in verses three through five, he says that tribulation, not only that, but tribulation creates perseverance. I'm just gonna do purse, all right? (laughs) Perseverance, I don't think I can fit it. Perseverance, perseverance creates character, And character creates hope. And then in verses 6 through 11, he says, Christ's death showed God's love. Christ's death showed love. Not only that, but he wants... Us to be saved uh, from wrath and that we rejoice because of reconciliation. The reconciliation that's coming, I think he says, right? He says, uh, no, he's, we have now received the reconciliation. So I wrote all this out and then all this, it just like like a light bulb went off. I don't know if you have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? These are the same. And those are the same. And those are the same. <laughs> he said the same he said the same thing three times in three different ways. Okay? Christ's death creates peace. Christ, giving his life while we were still sinners, showed God's love, and because of those things, when we face the hardest things in our life, it develops perseverance in us, all right? As we're facing those things and developing perseverance, we have access to God's grace, and as we're accessing God's grace in which we now stand, he is in the process of saving us from wrath here. Every single day, walking in his grace and following him, he's saving us from wrath, and that is what produces character in our life. And as we're doing these two things, we rejoice in the hope of glory which is coming. We rejoice in the reconciliation that we have in him, and that gives us hope. He said the same thing three different times. Maybe sometimes, I don't even know if Paul realized he was doing it. The Spirit was just doing it through him. But sometimes we need to hear the same thing three times in three different ways in order to get it. Right? And this is the key. If if you want to understand, now that we've been justified by faith, if you want to understand how to walk in the gospel, how to walk in the good news every single day, these are the things. This is what we need to be doing. These are the things that are going to strengthen our faith. And these are the things that are going to create in you and me that are going to create stability of faith. And we need that desperately. We need it desperately because we live in an incredibly unstable world. And if our sense of perseverance is based on our circumstances we're in trouble if our character is based on what's happening around us we're in trouble if our hope is on the world and the things and people around us we're in trouble and so we need something better deeper farther longer stronger to get to give us stability in an unstable world everything around us is changing and it's changing all the time and it's scary and it's stressful Our health changes all the time. Not only our health, but the people that we love and care about. I can attest to that. I was feeling great one day, down the next, okay? Our health goes up, and we have pandemics and sickness and and cancer and injuries and all kinds of things. Health is, it comes and goes. It can come and go in an instant. Everything is unstable. The finances are unstable. The market, it goes up and down. Businesses open and close. They have layoffs, and they hire. Interest rates go up, up, right? right. Interest rates go up and down. Cost of food goes up and down. Cost of gas goes, finance, everything is changing. Money is changing around us all the time if our hope or our perseverance or our character or anything like that is based in that we are in trouble it's changing all the time work changes all the time contracts come and go clients come and go opportunities come and go salaries go up and down benefits come and go uh, things are changing constantly in the, the political climate. We got an election coming on Tuesday. All right, go out and vote. But ultimately, somebody's going to get into power, and that person will be unperf- imperfect no matter who they are. And leaders come and go, decision makers, judges. We have we have things happening constantly in other nations that are going on, and things change so rapidly. We have conflict right now between Russia and Ukraine, with Russia invading the Ukraine. We have on, on that side, we got issues that we're involved in on, the other side we got issues we got north korea firing icbms and and intercontinental ballistic missiles and testing those and south korea saying that they're going to have to respond and north korea sending us warnings and things change every single day we've got tensions with other nations leaders change we can't control any of that even our relationships in our own life change constantly the people that we love change and people move and and do different things and make decisions and nothing around us is stable and if our, if our faith or if our, if, our, if our perseverance, if our character, if our hope are based in all of that, good luck. That's a scary proposition. In the midst of all of that, is it possible for us, for you and for me to be stable? The gospel says it is. But it will only happen If we're doing these things actively, if we're allowing these things to be the framework for our entire life and we're doing things to make sure that these are preeminent in our life. In group this week, as you're talking, you're going to talk about each one of these things. You're going to talk talk about things that you can actually put in place in your life to make sure that you're focused on the right things. And I'm just going to tell you that if, if for you, if you feel like your faith is shaky right now, it's probably because one of these things is shaky. If, you, if you're starting to think that God is an enemy, if you're starting to think that he's against you, something's happened here, with your understanding here and with your focus here. If you're, start, if you're dealing with, with shame or regret, if it's making you feel disconnected from other people, or make you feel disconnected from God, it's probably because something is happening here. You're not focused on the grace that God has for you and walking in that and standing there. Or maybe, maybe you've decided instead of, that you're just going to embrace the world around you instead of being saved from it like God wants to do in you, and that's going to mess with your character, you're with your resilience in that area. Or maybe you're struggling, your faith is struggling right now because you don't feel like you have any hope. And maybe that's because your eyes have turned away from the glory of God and have turned on to the unglory of this. (laughs) And you're putting your hope in things that will disappoint. But the hope of God will not. And so if you're struggling in your faith, I would look at each one of these things and try and identify which, if not maybe all of them, (laughs) you're struggling with right now. And what you need to do in order to get those things in order. It, it, this is this is one of the reasons it's so important for you to have Christian brothers and sisters in your life that you trust and you're sharing these things with. Whether that's a group or whether it's somewhere else. It, where, you just have to have that. You have to have those relationships. So you can go to them and say, hey, I'm struggling right now. And I think it might be this. Help me with it. Help me to, help me to understand how to do this. To help me to understand. Encourage me. Send me a text every day, you know, that, that reminds me of this thing. Or tell me that what I can do. Give me some scriptures. And... And this is where we together can help keep each other on track so that we're doing these things instead of getting distracted by the world around us. God is in the process of transforming you from the inside out, and that happens on a second-by-second basis. Not a week-by-week basis, a second-by-second basis. And so we need to be completely immersed as much as we possibly can in the good news of the gospel. Not only what it means for our eternity, That he's secured by faith being justified in Christ. But in the process, he's taking us through of sanctification, of discipleship, of growth with him. But it's up to us to focus on that every single day. And as we continue through Romans, he's going to give us more and more ways to do that. So let's make sure that we're fully engaging in what he's saying one of the most significant things that the gospel does is it roots us in what's eternal rather than letting us be tossed back and forth by what's temporary. So do that. Knowing that you've been, since you've been justified by faith, root yourself and your life fully in the gospel and let him keep transforming you. All right, let's go to him and ask him for help as we do this, guidance as we do it. Father, we love you so much you are good, and you didn't have to save us. But because you're loving, you did. And because you're just, you sent your son to die in our place, to pay the penalty that needed to be paid. And so most of us in the room, I would I would imagine, most of us in the room, God, have placed our trust in Jesus for salvation and have been justified before you. If there's anybody with us, God, who's never put their faith in you right now, make that clear to them. Draw them to yourself. And if today you've never put your faith to those in the room here, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you feel God drawing you and you realize that you can't save yourself. And you want to stop trying. In this moment, put your faith in Jesus for salvation. He died to pay the penalty for your sin in your place. He was resurrected on the third day. He returned to his father's side in heaven and he will come back one day. And today, you can put your faith in him. So express that to him. Receive it. And if you receive him today you trust him for salvation he wants to start a process in your life he wants to start a process of delivering you from all of this and it begins with who you and who you are how you think how you behave how you interact god there are so many of us here who are at different places in that process, we put our faith in you. And so we look back and remember when you justified us, when we put our faith in you. And now we walk every single day and we wanna walk in and stand in the grace that we have access to, your grace. That we could be saved from this world now. That we, you could draw us to the highest level of holiness, personal holiness in our own life. That we can experience. So that we can impact the people closest to us and help them walk the same journey with us. That our relationships with them could be purer and more holy and more true and more loving and more kind and more gracious because together we're choosing to do this. And God, all of us together look forward. We look forward to the day we know is coming when our hope will be complete, when we will experience your glory in full. We anticipate that day. We look at that day every single day. We want that to be as soon as possible. So God, we ask that you would show every single one of us how to best keep our eyes both back on what Christ has done, our eyes today on what you're doing in our life and want to do in our life, and eyes forward. And our hope. So, God, I ask that you do that for all of us. And as we think about the scripture that we read today, the encouragement that we found in it, and the the guidance we found in it, that for all of us individually, we would understand that you'd speak to us, you'd lead us in the spirit so that we would see and we would understand what you need us to do, what we need to do. If there's a place where we've let something slip, we've lost focus, we've replaced it with something imperfect or temporary that you show us what that is so that we can make the adjustment. That you would use people around us, believers around us, who love us and care about us to keep us on track. And that you would use us and give us boldness to do the same for them. God, we want you to know that we love you today. We want you to know that we trust you today. And we want you to know that we have confidence in you and your promises today. And we want our entire life to be immersed in them. And so all of this, every decision that we make, everything that we do today, we pray that it's honoring and it's glorifying to you, that you're pleased with it, and that it will draw us together, both with each other and with you. That's your name we pray. Amen.